This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 154. And the quote of the day is from Nelson Mandela, who said, Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And this session, as always, is sponsored by my good friends at DW Drums. And I've been playing DW for years, as you know. They make great drums, but they foster drumming initiatives all over the world, much like this podcast. And they're just a great, great group of people that work over there. I've gotten to know them a lot through working with Drum Channel. And just it's just one big family uh, over there in Oxnard, which I really, really dig. So, when you look at these brands, you got to realize that there's there's people and families behind these brands too, and DW is nothing short of that. So check them out at dwdrums.com. Also, another thing that I want to let you know about, I sent out emails about it, I've mentioned it before, but I started Merge Media Network, and Merge, the purpose of Merge is to serve up creative and innovative content from artists and creators and doers that are out there. And so I have my podcast, the Drummer's Resource Podcast, under that network, but also the Daniel Glass Podcast, which gives a deeper look into Daniel's unique take on music and drumming and life. And you can look to it for philosophy and motivation, musical deconstructions, and conversations with celebrity drummers. You can find that at DanielGlass.com. Also, the Working Drummer Podcast, which was founded in 2014, but joined Merge in January 2016. And this is just perspectives and experiences and stories from ground level working pros. It's advice, tips and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. And it's called Working Drummer because these may not be household names, but that's the point. They're ground level guys that are making a career in music every single day, working professionally, but you may not know who they are. So all of those are out under the Merge Media Network, and you can find on social. I'll put all the links in the show notes, but it's Merge Media Network and it's the Daniel Glass Podcast, Working Drummer Podcast, Drummer's Resource Podcast, and then there'll be other things that are added to that outside of drumming as well, like business and and art and photography and film and different things. So uh, definitely excited about all this stuff that's coming with Merge, but wanted to hip you guys to it. So now let's get into this Mike Johnston interview. And so Mike and I, it's a funny story how Mike and I got connected and we talk about it in the podcast. Uh, we're both Aquarian artists, so we've met uh, you know, at the aquarium booth at NAM and chatted briefly, but uh, really had a chance to sit down and get to know each other this past NAM. We had like a two and a half hour lunch, which was which was really cool. And now proud to to say that he's a, he's a buddy of mine. And and this conversation is less about Mike specifically, but more Mike and I going back and forth about sort of the business side of of all of this and and how you too can do this as a career as long as you get creative and and you work your tail off and and you know just stay true to to who you are rather than trying to be like somebody else. So I really hope you enjoy this interview. I know a lot of people have been asking me to get Mike on for a while and we wanted to do it in a creative way that it, that it gave as much value as possible rather than us just sitting around talking about me or talking about Mike. So without further ado, let's get into it. I hope you enjoy it. This interview with Mike Johnston. (laughs) 
Mike, what's happening, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, brother. It's good to see you again after Nam. It is good to see you again. It's funny. I use the same exact intro every single time. Every single time. And it's sincere, though. Like, I really do appreciate you doing this, but I use it's but it's always the same. <laughs> it's hey, man, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And I was just telling uh, the guy, Nate, that runs our cameras here. He listens to the pod to your podcast. And I was like, yeah, I got to do a thing with Nick Ruffini real quick. He's like, oh, that's so cool. And uh, I, I don't know how we got on it, but I was like, yeah, actually, w- looking back at Nam, I spent more time with Nick than anyone else. Like we, we carved out accidentally like two hours to, uh, to yeah just that's what i was thinking i was like we had like a two two and a half hour lunch which was great it was, it was and great. i don't i mean nam doesn't allow for that that was crazy that we just got to sit there and just eat we're like chat. we'll go get coffee awesome. and then it turned into you know two and a half hours <laughs> so, yeah it was good though it was a good it was a good talk man we'll and we'll get into a lot of the stuff that that we uh that we talked about. And coincidentally, the guy who edits and, and produces the podcast for me uh, has been to your camp. His name's Justin Thomas. Oh, of course. I know. Yeah. Justin. Yeah. Justin's a fantastic drummer. Yeah. Yeah. So and he actually he got, edit, puts he's everything got killer together. footwear too. killer footwear. I believe during his camp, he was wearing Adidas. Uh, it starts with a B. It's a professional skater. Unites or. Uh, but yeah, he had a red, red Adidas on the whole time. I remember. You're like Rain Man. Only about yeah, <laughs> only about footwear and drums. Fair enough. I know everybody's drum kit and everybody's footwear. Nice. Um, so the audience knows that I always like to get a little bit of, of backstory on my guests. And um, I, I doubt that nobody knows who you are who's listening to this. But uh, for those people who don't and just people who don't know too much about you, just give a brief uh, synopsis of, of who you are and what you do. Sure. So I think, you know, we could probably start it whenever – it became more of a profession than a hobby. I mean, I, I think my first drum-related job was working at a retail at a store called Drum and Guitar City. And then that led into teaching at the same store, Drum and Guitar City. So I taught there for a long time. And then I got my first record deal with Hollywood Records uh, when I was 21. So I started touring until I was about 27. So I spent like six years on the road with uh, a horrible... Rage Against the Corn Tones band called Simon Says. Well, we weren't horrible, but we were just loud. And uh, it wasn't my style of music, but it was my best friends. Right. So did that. And then that led into some guest stuff with a Chicago-based band called Filter. Did that for a while as their percussionist. And then really at some point just kind of realized that teaching, that I was obsessed with it. And it was all I was ever thinking about while I was on the road. I was trying to invent little moments to give lessons on the road. If I could grab the the other drummers from the tour and put them on our bus with a pad and just start explaining things I would. And that became more fun to me than the actual performances at night. So I kind of realized that maybe teaching was my passion. And more than more importantly, I think I realized that it was okay that teaching was plan A, you know, where everyone had always told me the whole, those who can't do teach and, you know, you could always fall back on teaching. And it's like, well, what if I didn't fall back on it? I'm currently signed. I'm currently touring what if I chose teaching? And that so that happened when I was about 26. And when I say chose teaching, I'm not talking like mikeslessons.com online. There was my band didn't even have a website. That's how long ago this was. Right, right. So when I say chose teaching, I meant I'm going back to Sacramento and I'm going to teach at a private music or I'm going to teach private lessons at a music store. But it was going to make me happier than touring. So did that for a while and then that kind of led into the world of YouTube and I started putting up these random videos on YouTube explaining things and that turned into something new. You know, I 
wasn't expecting that at all. And then that turned into a business plan. And the, the idea was like, well, if I have a million followers, I wish they'd pay me a dollar for each one of these lessons. That'd be great. Right. You know? And um, so, yeah, so that became Mike'sLessons.com. In the beginning, it was just, it was really just iTunes for drummers. And then uh, that grew into what it is today. So. So question, when you talk about drumming or teaching being your passion, if you weren't making enough money to survive teaching, would you be gigging? Yeah. Well, I'd be doing – that's a good question. I think you and I, after we talked, I mean I know that we're very similar as people and I think you and I just have an innate talent for hustling. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I can't imagine not making enough money – to survive through teaching because I just would, I would just outwork the problem. Cause that's the one right. thing I've always believed about myself is I can't control how talented everyone around me is, but I can definitely outwork them. I can, right. I can stay up when they go to sleep. And so, you know, maybe what I would do, Nick is probably start trying to find other sources of teaching revenue, maybe start, you know, contact Hal Leonard or contact, modern drummer and say, Hey, do you need someone to write a book on some specific topics? And now I can get a smaller source of revenue from my books and then teach private lessons. But yeah, I just, I, I can't imagine it not, I don't know. That just doesn't even compute. I would just outwork the problem. It's funny. It reminds me of the, I don't know if you ever heard the Will Smith, uh, they interview him. He's like, you might be taller than me. You might be better looking than me. He was like, but if we get on a treadmill together, you're getting off first or I'm going to (laughs) die. That, that's, you know, and he's you know like, what? while everybody's sleeping, I'm working. While everybody's eating, I'm working. Man, I, I really lucked out in the fact that when I was much younger, I'm talking videotape in the VCR days, I was just obsessed with sports documentaries. And so I was always – I wasn't watching drumming. I was watching you know Michael Jordan to the max and, and watching like his work ethic. And it mm-hmm. was just always this thing that like my favorite athletes – they were never the most talented. They were actually, I mean, Michael Jordan didn't even make varsity in high school, right? you know, until junior year. And so it's like that, that was always my thing was like, okay, no matter what, no one can steal the ability to work hard from me. I just have to be willing to put in the effort. So, and as right. far as gigging, yeah, I would like to gig more even right now. I'm actually starting to put together a new group so I can start gigging more. But it's it's so funny. I'm actually only gigging because I think it'll help my teaching. I don't like mm-hmm. teaching when I don't have gigs in the past two or three weeks to reference. I don't want to be telling my students what it's like to set up and load load in and break down when I'm only talking about something that happened to me five years ago. Right. I want to have a reference from, no, on Friday, it was three flights of stairs. The sound guy mic'd my snare drum with a freaking bass drum mic. You know, I want to have those references immediately ready to go. Um, And not to mention, I want to make sure that the advice I'm giving to my students about interacting with musicians is coming from a very recent moment in my history rather than something I was doing two or three years ago. Right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever, speaking of the the DVDs and the documentaries and stuff, I don't know if you've ever seen Kobe Bryant's Muse. I haven't. I want to see that because... It's insane. Is it? I don't doubt it. Dude, he gets like, he gets done... uh, he he gets done a game. I think he gets done. Oh no, he calls this guy at like three o'clock in the morning, his trainer. And he's like, come on, let's go work out. Or they, or they get there at 10 o'clock at night. Sorry. Okay. And his trainer leaves at like two 30 or something like that. And then they have, they have team practice in the morning. And so the trainer is like, so what time did you get out of here last night? And he was like, I never left. Oh my God. And, ju- and then he goes into team practice and then he, pra- and then you see him like after the games, he stays in the stadium and practices after the game. 
just so like awesome. insane amount. Like I've, I, I grew up in the same area as, as Kobe Bryant. So, okay. And I, I've seen him play. I saw him play in high school. I went to high school with the number two player and he was the number one player in the country. Okay. And they were both from the Philadelphia area. So they played each other. So I, I, I had respect from him from afar just because, you know, I saw him play a little bit, but I'm like, Oh, he's a Lakers guy. You know, I'm a Philly guy. And, uh, but man, after watching that, I always had respect for him, but sure. wow, just like respect through the roof after I saw that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely, you know, with my idols, whether it be Jordan and Kobe, those are the, the idols and, and Steve Jobs, those three that have the killer instinct. You know, mm-hmm. you, you they, they just you have to drag them off the court or out of a business out of a boardroom. Um, so I can you know, I have those in that category that I look and say, OK, I'm not ready to go that level as far as my business and mikeslessons.com, I don't ever want to have a killer instinct. I'm not mad right. at anybody that's in my competition. <laughs> like, I don't want to fight them. Um, right. Where Jordan would be like, no, I'm going to crush you. It's like, right. I don't want to crush you. You know, I actually see it as a total where we're at right now on a business level. It's a symbiotic thing. It's like if you start nickslessons.com, you're probably going to have to promote nickslessons.com. And somehow by promoting it, you're going to alert people to the fact that this thing called online drum lessons actually exists, which now is creating new possible customers for me. Sure. So you're actually advertising for the niche that I'm in. So mm-hmm. it's like, fine, bring more awareness to it. I don't care. Um, so I don't have the killer instinct. But then the work ethic that those three had and the drive for perfection, especially with Steve Jobs, that's I enjoy that. Right. I, I totally do. I'm the, and I, honestly, I'd rather be working than doing everything, anything else, which is I'm like, I don't know if that makes me a workaholic, but it's I just so I enjoy it. I, what do you what do you want me? I'd much rather do that than like go to the bar. Don't people tell you like, Nick, you need to take a break. And you're like a break from what? This is what I would do on my break. That's what. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't need a vacation <laughs> from from this. I just from this. I like doing I'm this wor- every day. Yeah. <laughs> my work and my play is the same thing. I, I exactly. always tell like people that are like, dude, are you worn out? And I'm like. Dog, I haven't changed how I dress since junior high, and I'm almost 40. Are you kidding? My life is awesome. Like I, I hit things, and I wear jeans to work. What do you? What? Why would I be worn out? Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk um, a couple. Th- well, let's rewind a little bit, sure. Because you mentioned that you feel like you and I have similar personalities. So I think we should maybe tell the story about how we, how, <laughs> how we set up the the Nam meeting. To oh. begin with, all right. What do you think? Oh God, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna make me go through this. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. You know what? We all make mistakes. I'm going for it. Okay. I, so. And I I want you to know that this is coming from a totally like joking friendship way. Totally. I'm not like I'm no, I'm, break, I'm breaking it. your balls. So I'm like you and I, I crushed it. it pretty quick, and I and uh, and squashed it. So so here's my pet peeve in the online world. Just be original. Now, you don't have to be original completely. Like, there's definitely lots of things that I borrow from different industries. Uh, I'm going to borrow the color scheme from Apple's website, or I'm going to borrow this kind of, you know, this way to pitch a new product from the way that Titleist just picks, uh, pitch their new driver. But don't like rip off stuff word for word or fully plagiarize stuff. So, I was having this week where the people that are kind of doing similar things to me, it just seemed like they were ripping it off like verbatim where I was like, 
dang, man, like I post a picture of a watch and three seconds later you post a picture of your watch on Instagram. And it was just like, come on, man, this is just too much. So Nick put out this post and it had a quote. On, it was a picture of Vinny Caliuta's face and it had a quote that it, it was similar to the idea of like, why don't you work so hard that you never really have to be introduced again? And, and it was something that I had just given a speech on a few months prior about when Kobe Bryant walks into a room, no one introduces him as, you know, this is Kobe Bryant. He plays for the Lakers like he's so he's worked so hard and got himself to a place where he doesn't have to be introduced. Elon Musk, you never have to tell anybody this is the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX. It's just this is Elon Musk. So Nick put out this picture that had Vinny's face and a quote very similar to that. And in my asinine mind, <laughs> I thought that I had invented that entire concept and delivered it at this place, at this speech for a big Omaha. It was like a business conference. So I really I was like, OK, and I don't at this time. Keep in mind, guys, I don't know Nick at all. Like we've just shaken hands once or twice at Nam, but we're in, we're not like old friends. so I didn't know him. I was like, that is it. And so I just start contacting him behind the scenes. Uh, so where did it go for there for from like in your mind when I was like kind of pretty much in a slight handed way as, as accusing you? Well, because you were like, you were like, hey, man, can you tell me where uh, where Vinny said that? And I said and I was like, I, Vinny didn't actually say it. I said, I think that Vinny is someone who personifies that quote. And you're like, what did you say? You it was were, pretty much like, well, why don't you just send me a link to the article? Because I want to see where <laughs> yeah. this came from. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm dude, like, what What are you, what's, what's going on here? What I, I was like, what do you mean? And you were like, it just gets old. That was the part that I was like, wait a minute. I swear to God. And I was so, I was so naive to what was going on. I was like, wait a minute. Whoa, wait, you think I stole it from you? And then you're like. <laughs> pretty much like what I, pretty much what I said in my own head was like, look. I invented cars and now you're just driving one. And then and Nick's like, no, dude, like there's like a lot of companies that make cars. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I invented all of it. So it was uh, so. So anyways, it, it started deteriorating as all things do through uh, through online communication. So I would encourage all of you guys. And I'm sure Nick would, too. Probably about as soon as it got a little nasty between us, the first thing that one of us said was like, why don't we get on the phone and talk right. about this? Yeah. And I and I really do think there's a huge lesson there because it could have gotten really bad. And for the rest of our lives, we'd have a bad taste in our mouth about each other for a complete misunderstanding. Right. Right. So we got on the phone and Nick kind of walked me through the history of inspirational quotes. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure I didn't invent that? Like, <laughs> so rad. And it was just like the, the most awkward thing ever. But it only took about 10 minutes to flush that out. And then all of a sudden we were off to the races and uh, starting a, a friendship about business and life. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> that that funny. happened. Yeah. I, I don't I'm know totally that you and I would have hung out without that, you know, moment in time. It, it actually worked out really well that it was that close to Nam too. Like we were like totally. four or five days out from Nam, you know, and yep. after we get off, we're on the phone we're like, man, we should have coffee. You know, was yeah, like, we got to hang out, man. <laughs> like, and thanks I wanted, for to, him, I wanted to you know? fight you, but now I want to yeah, hang out. I know it was, it was so like, I just kind of felt like the next thing I should do is just attack somebody that posts something about E equals MC squared and be like, you know, I did that. You know, I did it. <laughs> who's this? I, who's this Einstein guy? OK, Einstein is a phony. <laughs> that dude. 
He knows nothing. I invented that. So uh, I, I formally apologize to you. For, oh, dude, that's that was not the point of, of me bringing that no, up. No, 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 I think it's a funny I story. It. We had we had fun and it led to this. So I'm happy. But, I'm but so, I do I'm think I mean, in all seriousness, though, I think that there's totally the lesson of being an adult about it and be like, hey, let's just let's get on the phone and let's talk about this rather than, you know, me putting out some like I, I just wouldn't do this. But like it could any other people would maybe take it a different direction and start oh, I could slam you online and then we go back and forth and it's like and then we're like at the aquarium booth it's awkward because I don't like you and you don't like me and we don't really know why we you know it's like no so, it can it can go really bad and I, like I mean I know that when I got off the phone I felt really lucky that it that it happened with you because like you said it could have happened with somebody else that took a different approach and wasn't willing to talk on the phone because my vibe has always been Let's get on the phone. If at the end of a conversation, when you've heard the tone of my voice and you you know what I really meant by my words, if you still don't like me and we don't vibe, I can totally handle that. Right. But if you're right. making this off of a preconceived notion that you've always had in your head about me and then text that you're putting your own tone and vibe into, um, then, then I feel like, it, you know, that we're getting unfairly judged. So the great thing was it was like, well, you know what? I don't know Nick, so let me get him on the phone. Let's find out what, what he's like. And if you would have been a jerk on the phone, then it's like, okay, well, now I feel justified in this. But right. when I got off the phone, it was like, well, I was pretty wrong about that one. And uh, <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I have a new a new friend in the, in the industry. so Which is good. So I'm glad it worked Absolutely. out the way that it did. Um, so we talk – you talk a little bit about well, we talked a little bit about earlier. You're like, oh, I, I haven't had to you know change my clothes since junior high. Like I work in jeans and and all that stuff, which is amazing. So you've created this career out of something that you love and out of a passion. So I want to walk down the road of maybe helping some some of the listeners figure out how they can do this as a career. Because for me, this podcast has never been about this is how you play doubles. This is how you play a paradiddle. I, there's people out there like you who do that a thousand times better than I could ever do. But my goal is to really educate people on on the business side of things and the reality of the business and how they can make this a career. So maybe sure. we can maybe you and I can sort of tag team this and, and talk a little bit about how someone could build a career out of the out of this business and not necessarily have to be in L.A. or in Nashville or in New York. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you and I are very good examples of it happening in the moment as far as. Before the podcast, there was no massive group of people asking for for Nick Ruffini to do a podcast. You right. created the need for it. I don't know if anybody's asking for it now either. But. <laughs> <laughs> they are, man. Right. Everywhere so. I go, people are like, yo, you got to check out Drummer's Resource. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, seriously, it's become it's become something. But one thing that I think is the real lesson is you didn't half-ass it. It, you right. went in and did it the right way and you were relentless with it where it's like, OK, because I've been following the business side of the drummer's resource since the beginning. I mean, I'm, I'm very well aware of what's happening in sure. our industry when it relates to advice and education. So when it came out, it was like, OK, cool. I want to see what this what this does now. What I really loved is in the beginning, there was no massive reaction for it. And sometimes there was almost no reaction at all. And it never you know, slowed you down. You didn't allow uh, what they talk about in uh, the lean startup vanity metrics to change your mood one way or the other. It's like, well, I'm doing this. I don't care whether you give me likes or you don't. I'm doing this. And so I feel like in business, 
because we're so used to the startup mentality of if it doesn't work in 12 months, it's not going to work. Right. People just pull the ripcord way too quick. And it's like, man, I look at like what I did on YouTube. It was like three and a half, four years of nothing, but just I'm just doing it. I don't even know if anyone cares way before I started thinking about how many likes it got or how many views it got. I just did it. And I think that and you've done that with this podcast. And so I think for the for your listeners out there, the A for effort thing needs to get a little bit more love and attention as far as, dude, just do it. If you're doing it for instant success, you've already lost. It, yeah, it just that is not going to happen. It won't, you know, and it's like, what is success? Is it a dollar amount or is it the fact that you're just happy doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And that's I think the, the thing is, if I try to think of what would change in my life, what would change in your life if the government just zeroed out debt and, and finances in general? There is no more money. Everything's paid for by the government. You're fine. Now, what do you do with your life? Well, well, my life wouldn't change at all. I would come and I would film lessons. I would teach lessons. I would host drum camps and I would travel doing clinics, you know, and I really from knowing you from the little amount I do, I really don't think anything would change in your life, even if we got rid of finances. So when you find something that you could do, whether there was income or no income, then I think you're going to you'll be able to stick with it longer and you'll also be able to get through those vanity metrics of just I put up this video on Instagram and it only got two likes. It's like, who cares? Were you doing it for likes? And if you say, no, I was doing it because I thought it was a really cool lick and I just wanted to share it with the world. It's like, well, then don't worry. Then what do you, do it what again. do you care about? Right. Exactly. And so I think when it comes down to people that want to do make a career for themselves in drumming, whether it be through teaching or retail or whatever, you have to really find something that you go, you know what? I could do that even if there was no income. Because, I mean, think about drums. Like you and I started when we were kids. And there was never a promise of a payday. There was never a promise of an endorsement. It was mm-hmm. like um, I, I would just stare at the clock, that big-ass round clock in school, waiting for the second hand to finally get to the end so I could run home and play my drum set. But it wasn't to play my drum set so I could get an endorsement from Mapex or something. Right, right. You know? I mean, it, it, that, that wasn't even a possibility or a record deal or – or the thought that somebody would just walk by my mom's garage and be like, oh, you sound really good. Here's $1,000. Like that would never occur to me. <laughs> so I think that you have to be doing it for the right reasons. After that, then the key is understanding that you are the business. So you're going to have to learn how to market yourself. You're going to have to learn how to promote yourself tastefully and organically. And you are going to have to also, and this is the one that a lot of people forget, you better be pretty freaking good because there's a lot of human beings out there right now. So you know, you need to be good as far as far as your quality of your content needs to be good. It's not that hard to buy a decent DSLR camera and a lens. Uh, you should have, you know, mics. All you need is a is a good overhead and a kick mic. That's more than enough. I would much rather hear somebody with a good overhead and a kick mic than seven mics that they don't know how to mix. Mm-hmm. And then and then have something original. What makes you you? You know, like right now, how cool would it be if somebody was like, the groove guy that only played basic, great text, like the Matt Chamberlain of the online world. I only play textured, great grooves with no chops. It's like, oh, well, you would really stick out because everybody's posting all of their craziest chops right, right now. Well, Ash Sohn does that. Ash is great at it. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he's like, but the, the problem is he's also like on every Adele record and <laughs> right. playing on the voice. Like he's kind of made it. He's not like, oh, I got 40 likes today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's like the king dingling of that stuff. You right, know, right. I, I mean, I absolutely 
God, I, I'm a professional drummer and I, I watch every one of his Instagram videos and I'm watching them because I'm not thinking like, oh, I hope he plays that cool lick today. It's like, oh, what a killer groove, man. Yeah. Yep. But I think you could even go easier than that, like go Steve, like the Steve Jordan of of Instagram, you know, right? right. Just so, so, oh, it's a fat beat. Like so, anyway. So I think you have to stick out some way, and but the most important thing is also what Nick said earlier, which is you don't need to move to Nashville to do this. You don't need to move to L.A. Uh, you don't need to be in New York. I'm Nick. Where, where do you live, by the way? Are you in Philly? <laughs> I'm in New York. <laughs> Oh, you are in New York. Son such a, a bad, such a bad example. I'm actually I'm in Hoboken, so I'm in. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how familiar. Well, you you're are podcasting with this. out of Hoboken. You're not. You know. Yeah. You're not there yeah. specifically to become a touring drummer or, or to get a it deal. It just so happens I mean, that I'm here. I met a girl who lived up right. here, and I moved up here. So I. But my actually most. I mean, my career. Uh, I was I ever since I moved up here. I mean, I ran out of Philly. So like, I toured out of Philly and did everything out of there. So. And Philly's not like a huge music scene. It used to be 30 years ago, but I was, right. you know, I was four. So um, I wasn't really. And it's, I mean, it's that. always had a, a massive R&B scene. But yeah, um, but I but I think, you know, I always looked at the band Slipknot as my example of like, dude, they got a record deal out of Iowa. It's you know, you can do it anywhere. So right. Right. The most important thing right now is the fact that we're all connected um, through the Internet. We're all connected through social media. So it doesn't really matter. No one's ever asked me like, hey, I watched your online lesson today. Where was that filmed? No one's ever asked that. They right. would just. Mm-hmm. So it's and, and my wife and I have literally talked about, hey, since all we have to do is move our backdrop with us, <laughs> you know, my symbols mounted on the wall. Couldn't we do this from Hawaii? Like, why do we have to live anywhere? Like we could. We could be anywhere because all of our students are virtual. They don't know where I am. So 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 we're in a very good time where you don't have to live in a specific city to make it. If you want to be a gigging musician, you obviously need to live in a town that has an active music scene. That definitely helps. But the more active the scene is, the more competitive that scene is. So the most active scene in the world is, you know, is New York, is Manhattan. But you also are dealing with Keith Carlock and Mark Juliana and J.P. Bouvet that want your gigs. So. Right. You better bring the heat. Yeah. So, Mark um, actually so, yeah, lives right so, down the street from me. Who does? Mark Juliana does. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. He's uh, he's one of the best people we have in the industry for yeah. sure. So, yeah. he's, he's the dream guy. So the dream guy. I'm just going to go ahead and just retract that from my statement. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Mark, if you're listening, you're not my dream guy. I know we did it. We have a camp coming up together in Ireland and I will stay on a totally different side of the castle than you. You know and, that uh, that's going to be. That's going to be clipped out and put into yep. like a into an Instagram uh, video that just keeps looping. Looping. Mark's my dream guy. Mark's my dream guy. <laughs> he just he keep, has a great just, career. Just keep saying it, man. Just keep. Saying yeah, I'm done. I'm done. But I'm just going to go full board with it. But uh, but no. So I think that's you know one of the things is, and I, I'm sure you've talked about this in the past. But man, if if I could have a student that said, "What should I do with my career?" and they were really quite talented. My first thing would be like, you just need to go to college for business right now. Like take private lessons with, you know, if, if you're in L.A., take private lessons with Peter Erskine and go to even community college and learn marketing and business and just understand it because you are the business. You are everything. So you're going to have to know this stuff. And the more that you're able to treat yourself as a business, the more that you're able to succeed right now. And, and then the next step is like, OK, I don't want to be businessy about it. So how do I be very organic about it? Mm-hmm. And I think that that the organic side of marketing is the key. You know, it's very I would say maybe one out of every 10 things that I'm actually trying to sell 
come in the form of an ad. It's very rare that I would just say, this exists, you should buy it. It's right. always a much more organic thing where I'm trying to say, okay, I wish you would go download this video from my website and I don't feel comfortable telling you to buy it because I just, I, I just hate the whole marketing thing. So I think what I'll do instead is I'll have you ask the question. So I'm going to just play it and post that. Then you come to me and say, that lick is amazing. I, you should teach that. And then the marketing engine starts. Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's actually available here. But right, right. I don't feel comfortable just coming out. So things like that, you have to find your own niche for that stuff mm -hmm. as well. You have to really go, well, this is my approach to marketing. You know, some people are just so unbelievably casual and it works great. And then some people are very sham wow, 1999 in your face, like buy now and get 46 DVDs for free. And, <laughs> and, and that works too. It, but it, but when it works, it's working with a very specific customer. And I know the customers that I want because they become part of the Mike's Lessons family. And the people that respond to that type of marketing are not the customers I'm looking to build my business around. So it's like, okay, the people that respond to light marketing, organic marketing, those end up being the people that work really good at camp. They get along with everybody. So I'm trying to attract a very specific personality to my business, mm -hmm. not just dollars. Right. Right. And there's two things to touch on there. One, um, just the fact that that people don't understand all of the all of the value added content that goes in beforehand. So and you and I talked about this a lot at NAM that somebody just comes out of the gate and they say, OK, I'm going to start teaching online lessons. So I'm going to put up a website and I'm going to put all these videos up and I'm going to turn on the light switch and be like, all right, here they are. It's 1999 a month. Come get your lessons. And it's like, First of all, who are you? I have no idea who you are. You might be a great drummer, but that's fine. But you haven't put the time in to establish any sort of trust or any sort of any sort of uh, you know relationship with these people, and you just want them to just start paying you nineteen ninety nine a month. You know, like for me, I know for you, you did the you did YouTube videos for years before you charge anything. I I've been doing the podcast for you know almost three years. I've done over one hundred and fifty episodes. I've been charged anybody a dime for anything. Uh, and then there's other, you know, premium things. And it's like, hey, if you want to buy that, that's cool. If not, keep right. listening to the podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's things that I think you have to kind of figure out what you consider to be valuable. You know, when I make a YouTube video, it's not the same as the content I make for my website. It's tips and tricks. It's things that I almost wouldn't feel comfortable charging for. Like a, a show off lick. It's like, God, that means so little to me. I don't mind making that for free. I mm -hmm. also know that it's candy. I know it'll play well on YouTube. But legitimate education, you want me to break down the, you know, the transformation or the time period from going from sewn in Cuba into the Roomba dance period? I'm definitely going to charge for that because I had to do my research. I had to make sure that I was giving the proper historical facts. That's not for YouTube. That's that's charged right. goods. And as the customer, when you pay, now you hold value to the content because you paid for it. Everything I could ever teach you, anything that Nick could ever explain to you about business, it's all available right now for free on YouTube or iTunes University. Go get yep. it. But you won't. And even if you did, you wouldn't remember it because you have no value. There's no value there. But as soon as you pay for your subscription to lynda.com or you pay for a business lesson from Nick, then it's like, uh, I'm getting my value out of this. I'm getting my money's worth and I'm going to learn, you know. So right. Right. if somebody, when, when people tell me like, uh, you know, the guy that you and I have talked about in the past, Lou Montulli, who's been a very great 
and gracious business advisor to me, when he says, hey, you got to check out this book, The Lean Startup, if he said, I can just, I'll just uh, email you a link to the audio book, I would absolutely say no, because then I'll never listen to it. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to go pay $14.99, which my wife will bug me about. And I will listen to every freaking word of that thing three times in a row because I want my I want to get a hundred dollar hundred dollars worth of value out of that nine or fourteen ninety nine that I spent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think the charging for content is is kind of like this dual accountability thing between the person delivering the content and the person ingesting the content, and that stuff's very important. And then the free content, you just have to make sure this is where I would say most online drum instructors this is where they screw the whole thing up. You have to make sure that the free content that you put out does not discount the content you're charging for and get in the way of it. And there's so many times where I see people do what you said. They bought all the cameras. They filmed all the lessons. They got the cool web designer. And they have this content. It's there. And it's making no money at all. So the first thing they do is go like, hey, 30 days free on my website because they panic. And it's like, oh, dude, don't do that. Now no one will ever pay. Like the worst thing you could ever do to your business sometimes is Groupon. It's like you just trained your entire local area that drum lessons are $10 a month. Right. You think they're ever going to start paying 100 now? Now you've done 10 Groupons in a row? You're crazy. There's and a so, restaurant down the street from my house that always does Groupons. And it's a sushi place. So, you know, sushi is pretty expensive. Sure. My wife and I only go when when there's Groupons, but we get a Groupon trained you every three every weeks. Week. <laughs> sure. Why would it? Why, why would, would you ever go in? Time? So totally. And price? that's my, you know, my content on my website cannot be the same as my free content. It has to be deeper. It has to have more value to it. And there's so much responsibility to it. I mean, God, if 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 you see something from me on YouTube and I'm like, yeah, the sewn dance period started in 1965 and the Roomba was before that. And I was wrong because that's reversed. What well, was YouTube? Who cares? No big deal. But if I charged for that and then you got into a fight with your band teacher at school because you're like, no, no, no. Mike said this. We paid for that lesson. Dude, that's all on me. That's a huge responsibility. Now you're a fraud. And so, exactly. I, and, and just flat out wrong. Right. <laughs> it's like. You know, and so so those things are really important to me. It's like if I'm charging for something, there's a huge responsibility there. And then the free content, like I said, it's tips and tricks, but legitimate education I charge for and I always will. So Right. And rightly so. I mean, you have to there's I don't think people understand how much time goes into creating some of this content. Like my drummers, my drummer's social media boot camp. I mean, it's like 12 hours of videos. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, no, that's that's a unreal. long time. Not only that, like, we got to make all the make all the slides and do all that. You know, it's like it's a lot. It, it was like months of work to put this whole thing. Yeah. Together, yeah. You know? I mean, right now I started doing online drum lessons as far as a business. I think Mike's lessons dot com started maybe six or seven years ago, I would say, like. Um, and so around 2009, 2010. And so I've been making video lessons for a very long time. These five minute short video lessons. Right now, a dollar ninety nine lesson that I charge for, which is a five to seven minute lesson, still takes me an hour from the second I press record. Now, this is not counting in practicing, which I have to practice to be able to talk to a camera and do it. But from the second I press record until it's actually uploaded and it's showing up on the front end of my website, each lesson takes about an hour. So it's like, dude, that's an hour of my time. If I was teaching you a private lesson is one hundred dollars. And now I'm doing it for a dollar ninety nine in the hopes that. If 50 people buy it, that gives me the $100 that I would have gotten right. from. So, you know, it, it's not – it's definitely not a woe is me, but it's a it's a nice even trade. And 
I think you and I also agree on this too. Everything I do is, you know, and everything you do, it's, it's always about over delivering. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm charging a dollar 99, I'm going to make sure you get $10 worth of content for that. Right. Let's take a second to thank the sponsors. One, I want to thank Dream Symbols for being a supporter of this podcast. And Dream Symbols are different than other symbols out there. They make high quality symbols like everybody else, but they sell them way below the prices of everybody else. So their whole thing is they want to offer really good sounding symbols and gongs and they want to price them lower than everybody else so that people can actually afford to buy them uh, which is a great thing because you and I both know that symbols are extremely expensive and they just came out with a new ignition pack which are like really high end symbols at a really low price and they inspire you to start your engine so I encourage you to check them out at dreamsymbols.com Ever notice how some drummers can practice for years and never get any better and then other drummers just seem to get better overnight? Like what's the secret behind that? Well, my buddy Nate over at the 8020drummer.com has made a science out of figuring out the keys to practice and the way that Mark Juliana and the way that Calvin Rogers do things differently in their practice routines from your practice routines. The best part is right now, if you go to the 8020drummer.com forward slash drummers resource, Nate's going to hook you up with three video mini lessons that he put together just for the drummers resource listeners, and they can help you to practice better and teach you different ways to practice. So if you want to practice smarter, this is definitely the way to do it. Head over to the 8020drummer.com forward slash drummers resource and grab your free videos today. Now, let's get back into it with Mike Johnson. What's your take on I don't want to say I don't want to say spamming, but and you sure. see it all over YouTube where or all over Facebook or anywhere else where it's like people have their videos and they just blindly just spam all these people and they're like watch my video, watch my video, watch my video. And for me, I'll give my take and then I'd love to hear yours, but for me, I'm like why would I go watch your video? Uh, you've provided me no value at all. I don't don't spam me with a drum cover video. Not that I'm saying drum covers aren't cool and people aren't into it. Why would I go watch your drum cover video? What is that doing for me as a as a as a consumer? Whether I'm paying for it or not, I'm still a consumer. Sure. You know? So what do you what's your take on it? Or and your advice, yeah, I, mean, I should say. It's funny. I, I was tagged in like three different posts this morning, and that's like my first kind of, uh, I don't know, my first chore of the day is untagging myself out of people's posts because then I'm obviously getting the notifications that somebody commented on this post. And really, I mean, if you're going to tag me in anything, it should be kind of like, Mike, you need to see this relevant to you, to your business, to your industry. Uh, Unfortunately, like, you know, as soon as you tell people, um, you're into like I'm into astrophysics. I was tagged in every gravitational wave post that happened. Einstein is right. Like I get it. I get it. I, I saw the news. <laughs> like I was following it. You don't have to tag me every time. Uh, but um, but yeah. I mean, you know, with the drumming thing, it's like, well, it's it's the quickest way to. I can say I can tell you this. I never go negative in my own head. So I either care about you, and I would die for you, or I just don't care at all. Like it's, it's not negative. I don't dislike anybody. It's like, you're just not in the care department anymore. When you constantly tag me in a video, just so you can use my name to get more views or for whatever reason, it's like, you just kind of eventually move into the non care pile. It's like, dude, I'm sorry. I I just, that it's just rude. You know, I mean, we had in Facebook, 
you could message me. If it really was important that you wanted me to see this, you could just message me and say, hey, Mike, I didn't tag you because I didn't want you to get annoyed with all those notifications, but I really would like you to check out this video. Okay, right. cool. Like, like, give me some backstory. But like you said, my name just shows up on somebody's video. It's like, oh, come on, man. Like, you're just, you're slowing down my productivity today. That's like, hurts my feelings. Every day so, I, yeah, get, I get tagged in like a random drum set. And right. it's like at drummer. And I'm like, where am I in this? I don't, I don't see myself. In totally. This that happens on Instagram all the time. And I, I'm like, oh, I guess they're using the transition rider. Maybe use, they're using my sticks. And then I'm like, no, it's a Pearl export with Zildjian ZBTs and Jojo sticks, you know? And I'm like, right. I, I have no idea why I'm tagged in this, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, I think there's a respect level. And then there's the people that have never tagged me in anything that came out of nowhere. Uh, Meinl just signed a new artist named Chris Paprota. Um, that's just an absolute monster. And he's, he's a social media guy that just has been doing amazing things. And he's never tagged me in a dang thing. And so it's like, well, if, if you work your, actually, it comes all the way back to that Vinny quote. That wasn't a quote. The, <laughs> it comes back to our, our, our to fate the, to which, the, uh, to the Mike Johnson quote. Yeah. The one yeah. that I made up from scratch. Yeah. If you, if you work hard enough, you shouldn't have to tag me. You shouldn't have to introduce yourself to me. It's like, oh. Yeah, Chris Proto. I've seen all of your videos because right. they were just cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, you didn't. And and same with companies. It's like, God, it's so funny with the endorsement thing. It's like, okay, by tagging Zildjian, you do understand that you're doing what they wanted you to do, right? You're you're doing their advertising for them. They're not like, oh, you tagged us. Let me look at this video and sign you and send you free symbols. That's not how it works. Right. So it's like. You know, because I see like the random drummers that I follow and like underneath their and I'm talking non-professional, just kind of I drum at home type guys. And underneath their video is a, is a tiny quote like, hey, this is me working on a new lick and then 47 hashtags. And I'm like, really? Like, what do you think's happening? Like, do you think it's that they're the Vic Firth watches it? And they're like, you know what? We should sign this guy. He's got 37 likes. And that was really fast. Right. Like, they, that's not how it works. So. I think it's just more about, you know what, don't focus on the world around you. Focus on you. You need to get better. And if you are great at the drums and if you're really offering something unique to to your playing, people are going to find you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that I thought was the least unique about myself leading into starting MyXLessons.com was my ability to explain things. I I had great teachers. So my ability to teach to a camera was actually what was lacking to me. So it was like, Oh, I would never even consider that to be a talent because I was always comparing myself to the people that taught me. And, you know, I had Pete Magadini and Will Kennedy and I took some private lessons with some, some greats, you know, just like a one-off lesson with Bernard Purdy and stuff. And I just had such great teachers that, you know, the, the, the ability to explain things was like, I'm just trying to keep up with my teachers. So And the reason why I bring that up is like I was never even thinking about that as a talent until other people started noticing like, hey, I really like the way you explain things. It's like, oh, wow. okay, I I I thought you would like how fast I was on my bass drum. And they're like, yeah, that's neat and all. But I really like the way you explain things. Right. Wow. So if you were if you just work your ass off tirelessly, the world will recognize it. I couldn't agree more, man. And and I don't want people to think that we that that was to like 
talk down to anyone or, you know, to say, oh, you're out there tagging all these people. But no. I, I really want people to understand, I mean, because both of you, both you and I run a drumming website and we have all these social media properties and the amount of time that you're putting in to send your video to Mike and then send it to, you know, to drum channel and then send it to me and then send it to Drumio and then send it to Vic Firth. And then send it. it's like, you could be doing something else because chances are they get thousands of these messages and get tagged in these things every day that it's sort of a, an effort and futility. Like you might as well just, you might as well just concentrate on stepping up your own game now. Right. Exactly. What, what I will say though, is like when I put out an interview, like when, when your interview comes out, of course I'll tag Minel, I'll totally tag Gretch, I'll tag Aquarian, you know, but it's, it's, but it's re- it's relative. It's relative right? to them, right? Because so. I I mean back in the early days of like Facebook and tagging and everything, I really would watch the entire video and I'm like, okay, I'm assuming there's a lick that I taught that's going to show up any second now, or they tagged me. There must be a reason. And then at the end, I was like, wait, I was just supposed to watch that for no reason other than you're awesome at the drums, like, dude. I mean, my 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 closest friends are some of the best drummers on the planet. You're probably not going to impress me with your drumming. You know, you're going to impress me with your approach. Maybe if you spoke to the camera, you know, if I see somebody that's playing some very basic stuff, but they talk to the camera first and say, hey, what's up? My name's John. I've been playing drums for three weeks. This is a frustrating instrument and I'm doing everything I can to get better at it. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, with a little bit of backstory, very basic drumming can be extremely impressive to me. Cause I'm like, damn, three weeks. That's way better than I was. Right. But if you just show up and start ripping, it's like, you know, I just did a camp with JP Bouvet and Matt Halpern. Like, you're really not going to impress me with your drumming. Like, uh, you know, and then before that, it was Sput and Mark Juliana. So it's like I, I've seen cool drumming. That's not new to me. You know what? I, what's new to me is your approach, maybe your sound. And then, like I said, just speaking to the camera. Let me know you a little bit more than just how fast you are or just an mm-hmm. angle where I can only see your hands. It's like uh, there's. There's not enough personality there. So this might be a, a bit of a tough question, but so I always – it's great to talk about the the things that everyone does right and, and the great successes that people have. But what are some failures that you've had or what are some things that, that you don't feel like you do very well that, that you want to work on? Sure. Asi- aside from p- playing specifically. like No, absolutely. I mean I think oh, – man, as far as a business thing – the one thing that I really messed up on was thinking that I was smarter. Well, that's my dog. <laughs> I, can, I guarantee I'm at my business right now. I guarantee we're, we're getting a delivery from UPS. <laughs> How many? You have two dogs, don't you? Yeah, Jack yeah. and Juno. How about this? You can leave this in the podcast. I like it. Jack! <laughs> come on! That's enough! I will come out there and woo! <laughs> Fine, shut the door. I love you. All right. There we go. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back. Nice little okay. commercial break. Yeah, while well, my dog loses his mind out there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Juno went home with my wife today and Jack stayed here. It sounds like a sublime uh, record. It's fine. I know, right? Exactly. <clears throat> so one thing that I really messed up on was thinking that I was smarter than my clientele when it came to business and thinking that I knew what they wanted more than they did. And that was very wrong and very evident in one thing that we put so much time and, you know, in web development time is actually money, so much time and money into, which was called, what do we call it? The mikeslessons.com gear exchange. And my idea was, okay, you guys are all nervous. All of our students are nervous of 
Craigslist, people just coming to your house and picking up your gear. And you want to sell the gear and buy the gear to and from people you trust. Well, if I've got, you know, thousands of students, what if we only sold and bought gear from each other? Like that would be, what are you barking at me? Um, (laughs) That would be just so like cool to have this thing. So imagine on your website, you're going to create Craigslist from scratch. It took us like six months. Okay. And I, and without me even asking our clients, Hey, would you guys like this? I just was like, this is going to change the game. (laughs) Mike's lessons.com gear exchange. This is probably like three years ago now, four years ago. And so we launched it and dude, it couldn't have been a bit, it couldn't have possibly been a bigger failure. No one used it. No one cared. They kept posting the stuff that they were supposed to be selling on the mikeslessons.com gear exchange. They kept posting it on the mikeslessons.com family Facebook page. So it was like, it was a great lesson in, I can't out social media Facebook. I just tried. And these people will not refuse to stop using Facebook for every ounce of their communication. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, crap. Well, and that really taught me, like, should we get rid of student profiles? Like, should we stop allowing them to communicate in through the back channels of our website? There's no need for it. They're going to communicate through Facebook and they're comfortable and they're already there. So trying to and I wasn't trying to obviously actually do this, but kind of take on social media by myself. Like, oh, I'll just create my own social media. It, it failed miserably. And in web development, you can't go back to your developer and be like, hey, this isn't working. Can I have that money back real quick? Yeah. He's like, Dude, I'll, give you, I I'll give you the site back and you give me the money. Yeah, back. totally. Here, you can take the Mike'sLessons.com gear exchange. I think there's still a couple piccolo snares on there that you can have <laughs> <laughs> or at least the pictures of them. So, yeah, it was like, OK, well, that didn't work. And then a couple more things like that happened until I realized, OK, when it comes to the education of my students, I do still need to be for the most part in charge. But I also need to allow for the fact that I actually don't know what a few thousand people around the world want. And I'm going to have to start having experiments going on. I'm going to have to start polling them a little bit more. I'm going to have to find the leaders in our community of our student base and say, hey, you're more active than anybody. Can I please interview you and just give you, you know, on the phone, can I talk to you about what you wish was different about this business? Because I'm in control of this business. I can create anything from my own version of Skype to my own version of, you know, whatever, but I need to know where to put my time in what will help you the most. So I think that was probably the biggest lesson I got was thinking that I knew what my clients wanted when I never asked them, mm-hmm. you know, makes sense. So when you were, when you started, when you started the site, uh, you were, you were charging right from the beginning though, right? When you started, my yeah. Yep. So was it a, was it a slow build or was it sort of like really, really slow and then just like a windfall? No, it was, I would say, okay, so day one, man. So we had really two big services that happened. So the original Mike'sLessons.com was just downloadable contents, which I really, you know, thought iTunes for drummers. That's what it was. Just here's the content, download it, and no more communication than that. Um, That happened pretty quick because I had built up such a huge following on YouTube and I was able to move them over. And so the initial burst was pretty fast. And then a few years later is when we launched the live streaming service, which seems so normal now. But at the time, there was nothing like it. It was very hard to do. No one had the bandwidth for it. Uh, There weren't even companies that could do it for you. So it was not easy. So that 
was definitely a slow build. And I would say right now, it's just been steady ever since. We probably get, you know, three to five students, new students signed up for that subscription model per day. Um, and then, you know, every week we lose a couple people that have maybe been with us for two or three years and it's just run its course for them. Sure. Um, so it, it always kind of balances itself out, but it's the good thing is, and the reason why I've never advertised, I don't advertise on Google. I don't advertise on Facebook. Uh, the reason we don't pay for any advertising is because there is no team. It's myself and my wife. That's our entire company. And then we have a developer named Brad Phillip that lives in San Diego. Well, if I got 20 students in a day, I couldn't handle that kind of growth. And the quality of our business is so much more important to me than the overall growth of it. Because if it grows too fast, it will go away as soon as it reaches this critical mass of like all of our students feeling like, yeah, Mike doesn't have time for us anymore. It's not as personal as it used to be. Where right now, if I get three students today, I can email them individually and say, hey, what's up? This is not an Autobot responder. It's it's Wednesday and I've got some time to kill on my way to the gym. If you have any questions about the site, let me know and I'm, I'll happily call you. Well, I couldn't do that if we had 20 new students sign up today. Sure, so sure. my dog is literally losing his mind right now. <laughs> I hope it's extreme. Yeah, I hope it's extremely enjoyable for your for your listeners. It's actually not not that loud. OK, yeah, good. <laughs> so a question about your your day. What is your what's your day typically look like? So, I'm, I'm always interested in, in habits and, and sort of how sure. people run their days. Let's say it's a live lesson day. We do our live lesson broadcasts on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So get up. The dogs won't let myself and Amber sleep past 7. So we get up every morning at 7. Kind of like It's like their alarm clock. So we don't even have to set an alarm. They just start licking our faces. So we get up. Um, and then uh, I'm, I'm at work by 8 a.m. And then I have from 8 a.m. until noon – to get the live lesson ready. I, I, I never do it ahead of time. I do the scheduling way ahead of time, like a month ahead of time, but I don't do any of the content until the day of because I don't want to be looking at a PDF while I'm on camera. I want to be looking at the camera and being able to say, okay, everyone, take a look at number two on your PDF. As you can tell, there's an accent over the E of three. You got to watch out for that. Well, that all has to be inside my head. Um, and so if I write the lesson you know, two weeks ahead of time, I won't remember what I wrote. Mm-hmm. So I get to work. I start playing on the kit, really coming up with the day's lesson that I'm going to teach on camera. And then um, I make the PDF. And now we have a new thing that's free to the whole world called the Groove Scribe. So actually, I used to make PDFs and MP3s. But now as I'm making the PDF, the notation, it's creating the MP3s instantaneously Which for is awesome. you. And it's free for everybody. So I'm not promoting anything. You can just go use it. Uh, but anyway, so that's how I make all of the, the content. And then I'll usually be done with the lesson planning at about 9 a.m. So then I have from 9 until noon to start filming lessons for the website, uh, do all the social media that I can for the early part of the day. And then generally I'll try to get at least one new thing of social media out to the world, some sort of post. Um, It could be just me playing a little bit in a specific time signature. It could be it wouldn't be a full YouTube lesson. Those take way too long. This would be just like an Instagram thing. Right. Or I'll, I'll kind of scroll through Facebook and just check the temperature of social media. And it's like, wow, this is kind of a down day. Everybody's bitching and complaining about stuff. Then it's like, this is a good time for me to do something motivational. So I'll, I'll either write something that's kind of motivational or I'll find a clip from like my TED talk that's kind of motivational. I, I did that literally yesterday. I was like, man, everybody's just moping around today. This like Tuesday blues thing. So 
I just found a motivational clip from my TED talk, put that up and, and it's not promoting anything. It's like, dude, you can't buy anything. There's no, and I didn't even put up the whole talk. It's like, here's 60 seconds from this thing I did. So that usually happens. And then right around 1145, we get ready. We do the live lesson broadcast at noon. That goes for about 45 minutes. And then, um, after the live lesson, we, we upload that into the archives. And then from pretty much noon until about 6.30 p.m., that's just filming uh, and editing content nonstop all day long and then putting that up on the website. And then I usually ride my bike home and have dinner with the wife. And then after uh, we have a two shake rule at home. So once she as long as I fall, as long as I'm in the bed when she falls asleep, she goes to bed really early, like 8.30 or maybe 9.00. If I can shake her twice on the shoulder without her waking up, then I'm allowed to leave and do whatever I want. I just have to be in bed when she falls asleep because I don't sleep until like 1 a.m. So right. I, I'm in her mind. We always go to bed together and we always wake up together. I'm just gone for like a huge chunk of that. <laughs> um, so I come back here and uh, I that's when I practice. So I usually leave your house and come. come oh, I, yeah, I straight up open the garage and everything. I, get, I, I come back to the studio and then I practice usually from about 9.30 until about midnight. And that's also when I can film some other stuff. And then, uh, yeah, then I go home and start it all over again. Nice. I like it. Yep. You do that five days a week or seven days a week? Seven, yeah. Seven. There's no There's no Saturday. There's no Monday. I'm it's the same just, way. It's like, yeah. I, you know, I don't even it know. It not even make sense. I don't even. The only reason I need to know what day it is just for scheduling purposes. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, the good thing, though, is the the the. the the workday that I have set up, it's so funny. If, if you think about what my actual responsibility is, it is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I have to be on camera from noon until noon 45. That is the only thing I'm responsible for. Every single minute other than that, those three 45-minute chunks per week is wide open to me. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. So I do work like crazy, but the great thing is like this weekend, I want to go over website with some people I trust. So I'm like, Hey babe, I'm going to go to Tahoe for the weekend with Lou and we're going to work on the website and, and just relax. And I'm not missing out on anything. I don't have to call anybody and take the day off. Um, so it's, it's kind of one of those things like it's probably very similar to your world, which is every day it's, it's like a workaholic schedule, but it's fully self-imposed and I could just take four days off and take my wife to Carmel if I wanted to. Right. That's always been my, my drive since, uh, because I was in the restaurant business for a while and, you know, owned one with my brother. From there, my drive has always just been to be location independent. So I don't have to be, I don't have to be anywhere. I can, I have a house in Italy, so I can live there for six months if I want to or, or wherever. So, you know, that's, that's always been my, my focus. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a great thing to have that as your freedom. And I really hope that our listeners or your listeners, I really hope that that's the drive for them you know, I was talking to Mike Dawson today about what is making it. And it's like, for me, making it is the fact that my entire life is paid for by the drum set. And that's just a great freedom to have, you know. Um, And my my life has never been paid for by one aspect of the drum set. There's always been, oh, I had this part-time retail job at a music store, which I think is great for people out there because it's like, one, you're going to learn more about gear than you could in any other way. If you just work in drum retail, you'll learn what tension rod goes with what Ludwig superphonic snare, and you'll learn what clutch will work on a DW and Gibraltar stand, but not on a Thomas stand. So that stuff's beautiful, but it's so crazy because they're paying you an hourly wage to have an endorsement. 
the the deal you get when you work at a music store is usually cost plus 10. That's so the cost of the item to the store plus 10 percent. That's pretty much an entry level endorsement deal. Mm -hmm. So just by working at a store, you are now endorsed by every company on the planet and you're getting paid to do that. And you're learning and and you just do that as a part time job. And then you have maybe 15 students that pay $100 per month for half hour lessons. That's another seven and a half hours of work per week, but it gives you 1500 per month. So that combined with your part time job is probably about 2250. Maybe you have two gigs per week that pay $100 a piece. That's another $800 a month. So now you're at a little over $3,000. And then maybe you're lucky enough to, to tech in the studio once a month and that pays, you know, another. 200 bucks. And now you've got about 3250 or 3300 coming in just from doing a little bit of everything in the drum world and still you have all your nights free. You probably don't even work until 11 a.m. cuz that's when music stores open. So it's a pretty great life. You just can't do the whole I'm going to make it as a session drummer. And you could. That's very possible, but it's just not as easy to bank on. There's a lot of luck and timing that go into that and I don't feel that like I said earlier, my ability to outwork a situation, it doesn't work with like, I'm going to be a touring drummer. I'm going to outwork it. It's like, eh, that takes too much luck and timing, you know? Yeah, um, I need I need control over my destiny, not letting exactly. someone else take control exactly. of it. Exactly. Just like you talk, you and I talked about when we, get, when we met at Starbucks. Like the first thing we said was like, our personalities wouldn't allow us to just be an employee here. I would mm -hmm. have to be the manager within six months. Yeah. And I would be talking to the owner about what it's like to franchise a Starbucks and I want to own one. I just couldn't just sit there and be like, well, this is my destiny. Nope, couldn't do it. I'm a horrible employee, too. So <laughs> Totally. I'm just like, that's, you know, you could do you could probably do this better. You know, it's like, yeah, no, it's I, I've learned that. And that's also why I can't really be in a band is because sometimes I speak up in places where it's just not my place to speak up. It's mm -hmm. like, man, we just hired you to play drums. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But if we just mark down our T-shirts by 25 percent and they're like, just shut up. Right. Like, right. OK, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got two more quick questions for you. I want to be sure. cognizant of your time. I know we're running no running a little long here. So um, one is so what what is it that motivates you? Because I know that you're you're not motivated by money, um, which I applaud you for that. Um, you're you're not motivated, uh, at least I don't think, uh, by by fame or anything like that. And you know, like you've been on the cover of magazines and things like that. Uh, so what is it that 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 really gets you out of bed every day? Because you uh, could just sit on the couch all day if you really wanted to. Yeah. And I, I would, I, and I do every once in a while. I'm, I always tell my wife like, all right, you know what? Saturday, let's just shut it down. And right about 2 PM, I'm like, babe, I got to go into work. I can't do yeah. this. Like I'm trying, you know, um, one word legacy. That's, that's the pure motivation is I just really hope that 30 years from now, my name gets brought up in moving education forward, not even for drums. I just, I really want to be part of what changed the landscape of education for our entire world. And I'm going to work my ass off until, you know, until I die. And then hopefully uh, somewhere in the afterlife, somebody will send me an email and be like, hey, by the way, they brought you up in conversation today <laughs> about education. I'm like, sweet. Nice. So, yeah, um, that, the people that I really obsess over, it's always the legacy that they left behind. I mean, I, I used to be pretty obsessed with Albert Einstein, not, you know, not just on a mathematical and astrophysics level, but just what the dude went through. I mean, you guys, if you get a chance, research when he was bringing out the special theory of relativity 
or just the regular theory of relativity and the special theory of relativity, look at the timeline of when that was and where he was living in Nazi Germany and going through all that stuff. I mean, it was, it's, it's very amazing. And the legacy, what I love is with this whole new discovery of gravitational waves or the proof of them, that was like the last thing that astrophysicists could hold on to saying like, well, he wasn't always right. It's like, nope, Mm -hmm. he was every time. So, um, so I, so legacy is a big deal to me, you know, and then making sure that it's the proper legacy. I look at Steve Jobs' legacy and it's like, God, so many people bring up what a jerk he was way before his amazing accomplishments. I don't want that to be my legacy. And so, um, so yeah, I would say I'm motivated just by whatever I leave behind and how it affected education and how it affected people on, on a strong level. So you see yourself going into other things other than drumming? Definitely. I mean, I, I, the, I'll never leave the drumming to do something Mm -hmm. else, but it would definitely be something where I would love to go into Khan Academy and say, I mean, the, the whole design of the new mikeslessons.com, our design from day one was let's reinvent online education in general and we'll just use it for a drum website. But I want to, I want Khan Academy and lynda.com and Coursera to look at what's about to happen, you know, in the next month with mikeslessons.com and be like, that's what we need to do. That's how we hold people accountable for online education. That's how we make them feel responsible for the money that we, that they spend. And most importantly, that's how we can feel good about the money they spend. Because mm-hmm. right now, you just buy stuff from me, and it's like, I hope you practiced, but I don't know. And I want to change that. And I, I would want Khan Academy or Coursera to say, hey, we know you signed up for that marketing class, and we're really proud of what you did because we, we held you accountable, and you proved to us that you learned that stuff. And that's not happening right now in online education anywhere. Right, right. I agree. So- um, so the last question, everybody always asks about practice and how people practice. So what's your, what's your quick and dirty tips on, on practicing? I will give you the fastest version of this. I can, um, I made it up for myself leading into going up to the London drum show. I knew that was going to be a big thing that I had to perform well at. And I've always wanted to be able to answer the question of, Hey, I have 50 minutes. How should I practice? I have two hours. How should I practice? So I got rid of categories that we've used in the past. There's no more rudiments um, for your practice categories. There's no more, uh, you know, independence, ostinatos. All the drum terms were gone, and I just went with much larger scaled terms. So it's it's called the four-stage practice method, and stage one is a non-creative exercise. Anything that you can currently play without any thought, any creativity, You don't have to, it should be something you can already play, but it's something you wish you could play faster with more control, more dynamics, more power, more precision. So it takes no thought. You just wish you were better at it. So my first 10 minutes of me being on the kit is something I can already do, already do, but I wish I was far superior at it. That's my non-creative. Stage two is the creative. This exercise is a completely different part of the brain. And this is me giving myself a slight parameter, maybe quarter notes on my left hand playing cross stick, clack, 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 clack. And then I play a a nice solo and improvise around those quarter notes. So it's accessing the part of my brain that has to create in the moment. So that's called the creative. I do that for 10 minutes. At the end of those 20 minutes, my body is fully warmed up and my brain is fully creatively warmed up and I'm feeling great. Then I go into stage three, which is called main focus. This is 25 minutes based on the Pomodoro method. And the Pomodoro method is just based off of a little kitchen timer that is in the shape of a pomodoro tomato and the 
neuroscience tells us that 25 minutes is about the maximum that a human brain can learn new information. So main focus is whatever you need to learn, whatever you wish you were better at. Maybe it's a, you know, you're studying future sounds by David Garibaldi. Maybe you have to work on five new songs for your cover band, but this is 25 minutes for you to learn new information. Now, if you have more time than 50 minutes, then just take a 10 minute break and do that 25 minutes again and again and again. And then the fourth and final stage is called musical application. And this is the most important thing, which is, okay, you've gotten better physically at the drum set. You've become more creative at the drum set today. You've learned something new, but now what matters? Playing to music. So you have to use something like Pandora or some sort of music randomizer. Pick an artist, let's say 1990s trip hop, and you type in Portishead. You don't jam to it. You don't blaze over the top of it. You pretend for two songs that you're auditioning for this artist. Make it sound right. Make it feel good. Close your eyes and fully emotionally commit to auditioning for this artist for two songs, playing the most musically responsible you've ever played in your life. And then that's the end of your 50-minute practice session, and you will feel extremely accomplished. So I've been doing that nonstop for about a year now. How's that been working? Amazingly? (laughs) It's changed my entire life. And... I just did. I just taught that for an hour at a clinic at Bentley's Drum Shop in Fresno, thinking these people are going to ridicule me for wasting their time for 45 minutes of like telling them how to practice instead of giving them the cool drum clinic chops. And it was the best response to a clinic I've ever had. Yeah, I, I hate clinics where it's just like, yeah. have a good night. Yeah, by the yeah. way, you'll never be me. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, I, like, my limo's oh. out front and I got to roll. Exactly. So, so yeah, so it's called the four stage practice method. I've been teaching it to the Mike's lessons family and I'll make it a little bit more public soon. I just wanted more case studies, but now that our, we've had a couple hundred of our students kind of report back saying how it's changed their lives and made them so much more productive. And the great thing is now it's just a way to practice art. You start, you know, if you were a painter, it would be my non-creatives. I'm going to paint circles and get better at painting circles. I know what a circle is. It doesn't take any creativity. I just suck at making circles then creativity would be I have to create something and I can only use black. So, okay, make it as colorful as you can with grays and muted tones of different versions of black. And then your main focus would be like, oh, I'm going to actually learn how to paint a vase today. And then your practical application would be what if somebody hired you to make a caricature of a face? Now do that in in a second. That's practical to your job. Nice. There's a book. Uh, this it's called the Productivity Planner. I don't know if you. Damn it! Seen. Did I rip this off too? <laughs> no. Just Are you the, about to be like? <laughs> no, just the, no. It's based on the Pomodoro. I mean, the Pomodoro method is a. Okay. Is yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 You didn't make that up. It's <laughs> no, Italian, no. Mike. You didn't make it up. I know. That's why I made sure to name it. I did. I named it. I made it up. No, but there's a book uh, called the Productivity Planner. It just uses the the Pomodoro method. Uh, it, okay. It just speaks to the science of what you're saying. That yeah, you can't really you can't work on anything longer than, than really 25 minutes before the, the, you get the diminishing returns on it. So absolutely. And I think we've all felt that before. We just don't really take advantage of it because mm-hmm. it's like, all right, it's getting worse. I'm going to go get a bite real quick. You come back and then all of a sudden you're 10 times better at whatever you're working on. And it's like, right. that's neuroscience. It's people studying the brain and understanding the brain just eventually fills up and you just need a second for the sponge to kind of rinse itself of all the crap and hold on to the nutrients, mm-hmm. and then boom, there you have it. 
Nice. I like it. Well, Mike, man, I want to just publicly thank you uh, for a couple things. One, for what you're doing for the drumming community, for the education that you're providing to everyone. Also, for being a part of this podcast. I know the listeners have been asking to get you on for a while. I'm glad that we are friends. I'm glad we had that that crazy run in, uh, but I'm glad that it, it happened the way that it did, man. And uh, just just a pleasure having you. Dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, for all of your students or listeners out there, please know that you guys are more than welcome to not tag me, but send me a private message of anything <laughs> you'd like me to see. And I'd be happy to check it out. <laughs> nice. Mike. All right, brother. Well, uh, th- thanks for everything, man. Thank you again. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Peace. So there you have it, Mr. Mike Johnston. And for everything that we talked about, you can look for the links at drummersresource.com forward slash session one five four. I hope you enjoyed that. That was a really, really fun conversation that Mike and I had. So I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Also, be sure to check out the other podcasts on the Merge Media Network, the Daniel Glass podcast and also Working Drummer podcast. You can check them out at danielglass.com or workingdrummer.net. And if you're digging the podcast or any of the other ones on Merge, be sure to leave us a rating and review and that helps us get higher in the rankings in iTunes and gets more people to hear about the podcast so until the next one keep drumming thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon peace